Dive into the world of dance at the Victorian College of the Arts. Their program offers a unique blend of artistry, performance, and choreographic practice within an inclusive environment. As an undergraduate student, you explore contemporary dance, physical theatre, ballet, urban dance, and more in a collaborative studio lab setting. At honors level, specialize in performance skills, choreographic practice, or dance research. Plus, benefit from the proximity of local choreographers and companies, including Philip Adams, Stephanie Lay Company, Lucy Guerin, Chunky Move, and Dance House. Through professional placements, their students have the opportunity to develop pathways for their future careers through these relationships and networks. Consider a variety of bachelor, masters, and even doctorate programs available according to your needs. Join them and unleash your artistic potential at the Victorian College of the Arts. Learn more through the link in the descriptions below. Hello and welcome to the Background Dancer. I'm your host Jason Yap, and thank you for joining me with our community of passionate dance contributors from around the world and across different fields. In this weekly podcast, I offer educational conversations and insightful tips to help you better understand all things offstage about this curious art form. Hello and welcome back. I hope you've had a great week as well as a great day before tuning into this episode. This is episode three, the third part of a four-episode introductory phase that will answer some of the most important questions pertaining to the initiation of the background dance podcast. In the first two episodes, I've already covered what this is about, how this is going to work, and why all of this is so important to me. So, for this episode, I will be covering who this podcast is for. If you have not heard those episodes yet, do go back and tune in before coming back to this one. Now, before I begin, I would just like to take this opportunity to thank you all, every single one of you who has tuned in to the first two episodes last week during the official launch of the podcast. Thank you so much for all the love and support. As you know, the first steps into a new foray are always the hardest steps. So I'm really blessed to have every one of you accompany me to take those very crucial steps. And also to all my Chinese friends in Malaysia and across the world, happy Chinese New Year and a wonderful 2021 year of the ox ahead. The background dancer is all about building community building a community of background dancers, contributors in the background who are foregrounding dance in the background. So people who not just love performing on stage, but everything else happening around it. Now, looking from out to in, my raw intention always is to rope in members from firstly, different art forms, and hopefully, potentially also different industries. Because in my opinion... The performing arts can sometimes seem very esoteric and elitist as an aesthetic to many people. 
And I believed that it should be a lot more relatable as a form of entertainment in order to really percolate into the public eye, into the wider audience. And the way we can do that is by engaging in a lot more cross-sector dialogue. I believe that you have a friend or two always next to you who might have a keen interest in the performing arts, but just do not have enough information as to how to access it. So who is this podcast for? Let's see. With today's episode, I'm going to have a little bit of fun because we're going to have a little wordplay game here and we're going to use the acronym of D-A-N-C-E. Yes, we will be dancing through dance. And the way it's going to work is every single alphabet will comprise of two words. Firstly, an adjective followed by a subject, except for one. So definitely stick around to the end to find out which is the exception. So I'm going to start with the first alphabet and the first step into D-A-N-C-E. The letter D stands for dedicated doers. When you think about dedication, the word or the concept that often gets associated with it is hard work. And true enough, hard work has no substitute. From my own experiences, the only thing that I had over everyone else that has gotten me to this point in my life in my career, is hard work. That was my trump card. I was never innately talented in anything I did, but whatever I did, I just dedicated all my time and effort into. When you put yourself on the line and strive for the best every single opportunity you get, I guarantee you that you will have a place in your society, in your community. And the reason being, there will be people out there who wish to take things away from you, who wish to degrade you or make life just really hard for you. But one thing that they cannot take away from you is your work ethic. Simple as that. So continue to work hard, continue to dedicate. And you can do that also by being a doer. <laughs> I know. Conviction by action. People who walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Now, people who just purport all kinds of propositions, propaganda even sometimes, that don't really lead to any impact for a systemic change, don't really get anywhere, honestly. Because practical experiences are real and really matter, especially in this industry. And the thing about being a doer also is that by doing, by setting an example, by demonstrating, you are self-activating but also potentially galvanizing your surroundings because you never know who's watching and you never know who around you just needs that tiny bit of guidance, a tiny bit of inspiration. Little acts often lead to huge impacts. So ask yourself this, are you a dedicated doer? The next alphabet and step two of our dance today, aspirational agents. Now, I will begin this section by giving you a tiny crash course about the differences between aspiration and a word that gets confused quite a lot with it, and that's ambition. Now, there are, of course, a whole lot of interpretations between these two words about the differences of these two words, but just from my own perspective, we can look at the nature of them and the sense of accomplishment. So for aspiration... Aspiration can be either individually linked or imposed onto an individual by an external party. For example, I aspire to build a community. 
but I also aspire for my community to be much more vocal and a stronger presence in society. For ambition, that's mostly and solely individual. It doesn't really make sense to have an ambition for someone else, right? The second thing about it is the sense of accomplishment that can be derived from these two words. So for aspiration, the sense of accomplishment can vary from one goal to another. Whereas for ambition, it is often the ultimate position or rank that you desire in life. Now with this in mind, I'll give you a little example from my experiences. As I was managing the Stage Creators Collective back in Hong Kong, Honestly, the only reason why that project was given birth to was because I had an ambition, a vague one actually, of becoming a curator. At the time, of course, I was really fascinated by the visual arts, by the influence a curator can have on its industry, but also the sense of connoisseurship. But I also had strong aspirations at the time of instilling a sense of more community within my academy and also to enable more artistic autonomy. And I was just thinking, how do I become a curator? I never really had any idea of what that is, but I just wanted to build that community and to really mediate more artists. So one thing led to another, of course, and after ticking all these aspirational boxes, I was given a chance to become a curator, ironically, at the very end, when we had the chance to organize our own student art festival. So I was curating, of course, an exhibition, as well as the entire program of that festival. Now, the point is, while a healthy dose of ambition is good, don't let it overshadow your genuine intentions and make you lose sight of your aspirations. Now, the other thing is agency. Agency creates much more possibilities and freedom for others as well as for yourself. And the most important thing about agency is agents should know the limits of agency itself. So can you identify the symptoms of a bad system? Is your working environment oppressive, neglecting, very negative, as well as controlling maybe? Apart from acknowledging that the system is flawed, there should also be an acknowledgement that a system and its culture is independent from the individuals who compose it. That's because culture requires a lot more time and a lot more people, constant patterns of behavior to truly settle. So when I mention agency, I'm really trying to pinpoint that change should start from within, not from changing personnel around you, but from within, from yourself, and really try to master a system, whatever that is, and become the most efficient and effective agent within that system by constantly positioning and repositioning yourself so that you can maximize every single opportunity. So are you an aspirational agent? I've attached a link in the show notes regarding the differences between aspiration and ambition. So if you're interested, go check that out later on. Hey, Jason here with a special message for you to help and continue serving our beloved performing arts community. So here's what you can do. Share this with one person you believe with this episode can benefit and attach a personal note explaining why. This way, you are not only helping me grow this show, but also adding value to those you truly care about. Massive appreciation as it means the world to me And let's get right back to the show. 
we're gonna take a little break and when we come back we will continue with steps three to five of our little dance today so don't go anywhere we'll be right back So we left off at step two, and now we're going to go straight into step three of our dance. And N stands for nuanced nerds. Yes, nuance means subtle differences in a shade of meaning or ways of expression. And in layman terms, that just basically means details, right? Everything has detail depending on perspective. Attention to detail can also be developed. And thus, a nuanced individual or professional can be developed. The thing is, nuance is often ignored or given little to no regard of its significance, but tends to actually have the most profound impact on our industry and society. I'll give you a little example here. Think about EQ, people skills, soft skills. Quite often, our industry is really about who we know and not what we know. Actually, it's quite universal, right? Everyone talks about having people skills. And the thing about people skills, as someone who has a psychological background, people skills are really hard to develop because the most important thing about developing people skills is to be really nuanced about it. It's to listen, is to tune in to the other half. But that, of course, requires a lot more time and effort and therefore nuances. So if we are to communicate better among each other, then we have to be a lot more nuanced in the way we communicate, but also have more nuance in your understanding of your other half. The other thing is whether you are a nerd. Yes, I am a self-admitted nerd because when we talk about nerds, I know that we often associate the word with the negative connotation of it. The overpopularized notion of what a nerd is. I know, like a foolish, contemptible person who lacks social skills. But in my case, I prefer to look at the positive interpretation of what a nerd is. And that is a single-minded expert in a particular technical field. The secret is, only nerds who are constantly obsessed and experts in their own field who continue to excavate beyond the bottom of the pit Only these nerds see nuances. So I really encourage you to be a nerd in your subject because when you're given a chance to step beyond your boundaries and talk to the wider world, you will not be out of place. And the best thing about it is people can learn from you as well as being able to teach yourself through your own continuous work. Step four of our dance through D-A-N-C-E is the letter C. And instead of having an adjective coupled with a subject, we're going to have two nouns here. And the reason being C starts with context. Now I'm going to tell you a little story of when I first arrived in Slovakia. I remember going to this exhibition at the start. I think it was in month three, if I'm not mistaken. And at the end of that vernissage, I was given the opportunity to also talk to some of the artists and one in particular I was really impressed with. So we were having a little chat in English. And the best thing about this artist was she was also from the city that I was in. She was born and bred in Banska Bystrica. And 
I think at some point she was mentioning she was really impressed with how I picked up the language so quickly. Right, I was only in my third month in an entirely new country with an entirely new culture, but I already knew some of the language that time. And when she asked me why and how did you learn this language so quickly, I just said, "Well, I needed to survive. I needed to know what to say when I go to the groceries." And her response was by far one of the most memorable things in my journey in Slovakia so far. She said, "Jason, wow, you understand context." When I look back at first glance, it doesn't really seem much, but then you think about it. Yes, she was completely right. When you understand context, everything around you changes. My life became a lot easier because I knew the language, but also through the language, I was able to understand the locals and the culture here. I was able to acclimatize so much quicker than some of my peers. And the point is, context is truly everything, because everything is relative. Now, in episode one. I've already mentioned and compared the performing arts industry to a network of relations, right? Like we are just parts of the puzzle. So when something goes wrong, it's rarely isolated because there is and should be an underlying imbalance to a person or an entire living system. So when you look for solutions. Never always look at that one problem, but try to find out what's related to this problem. Find the root cause and not just superficial cappings of it. But I think the more important question here is why is context everything? That's because information alone is meaningless, because information alone could mean anything. Now the great thing about us is that our brains make sense of the world through the information it processes. Constantly adapting us to new functions in order to fit new realities. Now I'm going to quote Martin Rees, a cosmologist as well as astrophysicist, and he said the universe exists because we are aware of it. The universe exists because we make sense of it. So think about that for a little moment. Now, despite so. Consistency can still be found and reinforced across different contexts. While the demands may vary accordingly, a level of consistency can mitigate extreme circumstances. What do I mean by this? How something may seem extreme to one person can seem so different to another, right? When I first came here, a lot of people were saying, "Why did you choose this place? Like nobody even knows how to spell this country's name." and Of course, there was a lot of fear about how extremely overwhelming this culture could be, and to me, that could have been true. But I brought with me, and in fact, everywhere that I have been in my life, a level of consistency, so that when I come to such extreme circumstances, I will not be overblown by it. And how do I do that? I'll give you two tips. Firstly, master your craft. Work hard so that your conduct and your standards remain unquestionable, regardless of your context. As I already mentioned at the start, no one can take away your dedication to your work. That remains dearly yours. The second thing is maintain adaptability and open-mindedness. Try to avoid applying a one-off ideology or opinion across different settings and different contexts. And what do I mean by this? Your past experiences matter, 
And I refer this to something like tapping into a catalog of references. Your past experiences should act as your primary references. And it should look like a catalog, colorful, diverse, appealing to the eye. Tap into that and make use and apply accordingly across different contexts. So context and consistency for the letter C. Last but not least, the fifth step of our dance through D-A-N-C-E is educational entertainers. How do we promote and build new audiences? That is a question that rings in my head all day, all week, all year. Now I'm going to talk about dance from a very personal point of view. And this may sound a little bit iffy, I don't know, but hear me out here. Now in my opinion, dance and even to some extent the entire performing arts industry can be rather incestuous. Now I don't mean that literally, but if you think about it, we are constantly referring back to the people that we know, friends and family, and members who are already part of the community, the industry. How often do you have a show and talk to somebody who has never seen any form of arts at all in their lives? And the problem with that is that we're not really building any audiences. We're just referring back to the same people. And the same people will continue to support you, but we're not really educating the performing arts to a wider audience. So my question is, why not seek beyond the walls? Why not go beyond the performing arts and talk to people who may not necessarily know what this is about, but could, through a specific form of communication, through your smarts, actually gain a better insight to it? In the last episode, I've already mentioned that there is a breadth of learning possibilities. And likewise, there is a myriad of methods to educate dance and the performing arts to a wider audience. Now, we can be educational also outside a classroom setting and just not limit learning to the conventional teacher-slash-student dynamic. Education exists in so many forms, right? So in my case, what can I do? Why not be an ambassador of your art? Go beyond Talk to people who are external as part of the performing art industry and just be an open conversationist. Learn about what they do and let them learn about what you do. The performing arts is a form of entertainment just as much as it is a philosophy. Remember this. So, Let's make it fun and captivating, not just to us who are already part of this, who are already practitioners of this, but to everyone else. Can you talk about the performing arts in an entertaining and appealing manner so that people who don't know about this get so excited about it too? So that's what I try to do all the time when I have an opportunity to talk to somebody who doesn't know much about the performing arts and dance in particular I really try to make it as entertaining as possible because, yes, we are always trying to make real critical art, but we must not forget that we are also a form of entertainment and that is important in everyday life. And while you're at it, don't forget to also educate, share and relate to your audience or your listener by establishing long-term relationships. Make sure or try your best so that they will come back to your show. And they will bring more people to your shows. Because it's never enough to have one foot in the door. 
it's imperative that we also get the other foot to follow suit. So be an educational entertainer and go do your job. <laughs> so just to give you a recap of who this podcast is for, D-A-N-C-E, asking yourself the important questions of are you a dedicated doer? Are you an aspirational agent of change? Are you a nuanced nerd? Do you have a consistent context? And are you also an educational entertainer? That's a wrap for this episode. Really appreciate your time. Kindly share your feedback by commenting and reviewing on either Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or whatever app that you have. I would really appreciate any kind of feedback at all. You can also email me at backgrounddancer.jy at gmail.com background dancer that's two d's all the files are also welcome if you are a little bit lazy to type and most of all leave a thought on social media i'm on instagram i'm on facebook the links are in the show notes and if you resonate sign up also for the email list to receive weekly notifications regarding future content to go one step further join the facebook group and introduce yourself as a member of our community in the next episode, I will be breaking down the 10 major categories that I already mentioned in episode one even further. So definitely stay tuned for that one. Subscribe or follow if you have not done so already. Have a great week ahead. Have a wonderful holiday period to all my friends celebrating Chinese New Year once again. And God bless. Take care of yourself. See you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe, comment, and leave a review on your designated podcast and social media platforms. If you found this interesting or helpful, feel free to share with members of your community so that they too may connect with us in our quest to foreground dance in the background. I am Jason Yup of The Background Dancer, and as always, catch you next time. If you're listening to this, you are most definitely a dance enthusiast, maybe even one for dance science. Well, why not join the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science, or IADMS for short, and become part of a global community dedicated to supporting dancers and performers worldwide. With active members from over 50 countries, including experts in dance, medicine, and science, iAdams provides a diverse network of support and resources. As a member, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits such as discounts to year-round events, their vast collection of e-learning opportunities, and a subscription to the Journal of Dance Medicine and Science, amongst other incredible and unique offers. Join the mission for better outcomes and apply for an iAdams membership today. Click the link in the descriptions below for more info.